0: I do want to say happy Father's Day to to all the dads out there. And you know what? We need to recognize the importance and value of dads and fathers. And dads do play a lot of roles and they do wear a lot of hats. And I think of my dad and he did most of those things. He didn't threaten any of my dates though, but he, he did most of those things. And he had most of those same reactions. And someone once said, any man can be a father, but it takes a special man to be a dad. And I think that is so true. And I came across this article just this morning on on foxnews.com, and it's called, Without Fathers, We're a Sinking Ship. And I'm just going to read just a little portion of this article. that shows the importance and the significance of dads in the home. It said, Have we considered the often ignored reality that the absence of fathers causes a breakdown of the family? In an article from the Heritage Foundation published in 2018 after the Parkland, Florida shooting, there was this observation. Among the 25 most cited school shooters since Columbine, 75% were reared in broken homes. Psychologist Dr. Pete Langman, a preeminent, preeminent expert on school shooters, found that most came from incredibly broken homes of just not divorce and separation, but also infidelity, substance abuse, criminal behavior, domestic violence, and child abuse. Salvador Ramos, the 18-year-old shooter responsible for the deaths of all those precious children in Uvalde, Texas, had no relationship with his father. His mother lived out of state, and he had a strained relationship with his grandmother. All of them had criminal records as well. Ramos's own father said in an interview, he would always say, I didn't love him. One person said, if you want to know what kind of father you were, don't look at your children, look at your grandchildren. Families with both fathers and mothers doing their part are our nation's very foundation. Then he went on to say, if the family sinks, the culture will sink with it. And then he gives these statistics. Eighty percent of teenagers admitted to psychiatric hospitals come from fatherless homes. Fatherless children are 100 to 200 percent more likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. A child from a fatherless home is 68% more likely to use drugs or alcohol. It's four more likely to become sexually active at an early age and three times more likely to commit a violent crime. 63% of teenagers who attempt suicide come from fatherless homes. 71% of children who don't finish high school come from fatherless homes. 90% of our homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Fatherless sons are 300% more likely to become incarcerated and stay in juvenile institutions. Fatherless daughters who marry have a 92% higher divorce rate. Fatherless sons are 38% more likely to experience marital failure. Fatherless daughters are 53% more likely to marry as teenagers. Fatherless daughters are 111% more likely to have children as teenagers. They are 164% more likely to have an out-of-wedlock birth. Eighty percent of all sitting in prison today grew up in fatherless homes. And then he says, In a time when cinematic superheroes dominate the screen, it's time to celebrate the often overlooked heroes in our culture. Husbands who remain faithful to their spouses and honor the vow to stand by their mate for better or worse, for richer or poor, in sickness and in health, and to love and cherish till death do them part. And fathers who are there to raise their children are the true superheroes. He says, We need more fathers to step up to the plate in our nation like never before, and and even more, we need godly men. I think that article was, was well put. And I think that we are a sinking ship, as a culture and as churches, without homes that are godly, without fathers and dads who are committed to God. And today I want to encourage you to make sure that you tell your dad how much you love him, how much you appreciate him and thank him for all the things he's done for you and for all the sacrifices he has made for you. And if your dad has passed like mine, reflect on the memories and thank God for the dad he gave you. So this morning in... Uh, And actually over the next two Sundays I'm going to finish up this last building block Called Faithful Provision I thought I was going to be able to get it done In in one Sunday But after looking over it this weekend I thought there's no way I can cover everything I want to cover on this last building block Because I think this last building block Is so crucial To a godly home Because if you want to have a godly home You have to faithfully provide For your family And as we looked at before Yes, you must have a firm foundation. Yes, there must be mutual submission. Yes, there must be constant sanctification. Yes, there must be Christ-like forgiveness. Yes, there must be constructive communication and and conflict resolution. But all those things don't matter if there is no faithful provision in the home. You know, and we just watched a video of all the roles a dad plays in the home, and especially in the life of a child. And as I said, my dad, and I'm sure your dad, fulfilled most of those roles, teaching us how to drive. Boy, what a nerve-wracking experience that is. Doing all those other things, being pastor, having the tough conversations. Doing all those things, teaching us how to play baseball or basketball or, or ride a bike. But something my dad and mom did that I'll be forever grateful for is they were faithful in providing for our family. And I believe one of the primary roles of dads and parents is to faithfully provide for their family. If you turn to 1 Timothy 5.8, this is going to be the key verse. We'll definitely be looking at other verses, but this is going to be the key verse for this week and next week. And I'm only going to make it through the first two points this morning. But, but 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, Paul writes, Now if anyone does not provide for his own relatives... And especially for his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Paul makes it very clear that we are to provide for our families. And he said to do not do so, to not provide for our families, is to deny our faith. And then he says it's worse than an unbeliever. So if as parents and spouses we do not provide for our family as followers of Christ, Paul is saying then we are worse than those who don't even know Christ. Ouch. This issue of provision is so important to God. Why? Because as we sang this morning, God as our good, good father loves us as his children and he provides for us. And if we are to imitate God, we are to provide for our family. We are to provide for our children. And when we, if we love our families, we will provide for our families. And husbands and dads, it's so crucial for us to take the lead in providing for our family as God has ordained the man to lead the home. And I just read all the statistics of what happens in a home without a father. It shows the importance, the significance of the dad in the home, and it shows that why God has ordained the man to lead the home. And I know there are single-parent homes. I know there are single moms raising their kids. And I applaud you for that. That's not an easy job. But I want you to know that you have that same responsibility to provide for your home and your family as well. And this morning, I want to share with you two ways you are to provide faithfully for your family. And next week, I'll cover the next two. And as I share with you this morning, I want to challenge you to make a commitment to God and to your family today. To build a godly home by faithfully providing for your family in these ways. The first thing is this. To build a godly home, you must provide for your family physically. You have to provide for your family physically. And there are two ways you can provide for your family physically. The first one is through discipline. Proverbs 13:24 says the one who will not use the rod hates his son but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. Hebrews 12:9 through 11 says furthermore we had natural fathers discipline us and we respected them shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. And then in verse 11, he says, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, amen, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God clearly instructs parents to parent their children the way that he parents his children. How does God parent his children? Scripture makes it very clear that he disciplined those whom he loves, why? To perfect their righteousness, to teach us right from wrong. Discipline means training the whole person. And the whole reason God disciplines us is to mold us into the likeness of Jesus so that we can become like Christ. And this is the same reason we need to discipline our children. This is the same reason that we need to teach them right from wrong. In Proverbs thirteen twenty four 24, it's the famous verse I just read, but some use it as you spare the rod, you spoil the child. The word rod, it indicates a thin stick or switch that can be used to give a small amount of physical pain with no lasting physical injury. My parents took this verse to heart. My parents used a belt. But sometimes, not very often, and I hated when my mom did this, and your mom may have done this as well, she said, I want you to go and get your own switch. Woo! Think about that. I was asked to go and get the switch that I was going to be whipped with. And I learned real quick, I needed to go and get the switch that mom wanted. Because if she went and got the switch, it wasn't going to be pretty. So if you came back with this this little twig, she'd go, "Mm mm-mm. And then she'd go get this big, thick twig. So I learned real quick, when mom said go get a switch, you got the right switch. But here's the thing. The stick, the belt the switch should not cause physical injury. There's a difference between abuse and discipline. A child should never be bruised, injured, or cut by being corrected physically. My parents did not abuse me. My parents never bruised me. My parents never cut me or hurt me. They hurt my feelings. They hurt my bottom sometimes. But you know what? I got over it. My parents disciplined me. They did not abuse me. And the Bible warns that parents should never abuse the power and the authority they have over their children while they are young. Why? Because Ephesians 6.4 says it provokes children to righteous anger. Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Parents are to discipline their children, not stir up anger in their children. Why? To train them and teach them about Jesus. And physical discipline should always be done in love. It should never be used as a way for a parent to vent out their frustration or their anger. And it should be used when a child shows defiance to a clear limit. It should not be done in the heat of the moment. But if a parent refuses to discipline an unruly or disobedient child, just as Proverbs thirteen twenty four said, that child will grow accustomed to getting his own way. That child will be spoiled. And we must understand that all children are born sinful. Their natural instinct is to be destructive and unrighteous. Their natural instinct is not to do good. Their natural instinct is to do evil as we are all born with a sin nature. Unlike culture may want us to believe, no one is born good. We are all born with the bent to do evil. That's why we needed a Savior. And that's why we need to teach our children what is right and what is wrong. And the way we do that is through discipline. Proverbs twenty two, fifteen says, foolishness is tangled up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. And Proverbs 29 15 says the rod of correction or the rod of discipline is critical for wisdom. You see, just as God disciplines us because he loves us, we are to show love to our children by disciplining them. And I said this before, but I think it's worth repeating. Parents, you are not your child's best friend. You are to be their parent. You are not to be your child's best friend. Your job is not to get your child to like you. If they say they don't like you, good. Give, take that as a compliment. Say, thank you, I'm doing my job. Because if we love our children, We will be willing to teach them right from wrong so they can become like Jesus. And that is the whole purpose of discipline. And as Hebrews said, discipline is painful. Discipline is not enjoyable. And it should not be enjoyable for the parent or the child. And before my parents always disciplined me, they said this, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I thought at the time, yeah, right. And I thought, well, why are you doing it? You don't have to if you don't want to. And sometimes I thought, well, let's trade places. But I never thought of saying that because I knew it would be worse. But as a parent, I came to understand what it meant when it says it hurts to discipline your child. It hurts to have to correct your child and to discipline them. Why? Because you love them. But because you love them, you need to discipline them. And let me tell you, my my parents must have really loved me. And sometimes I thought they may have loved me a little too much. But you know what? They cared enough about me. They loved me enough to discipline me. And I am thankful for how they disciplined me. Because without their loving discipline, I think I would have turned out... A lot differently. And you want to know what's wrong with our families and what's wrong with our culture? It's a lack of discipline in the home. And you know what a big part of it is, I believe, is parents don't want to discipline their children because they're afraid their children will resent them. But let me say this if you don't discipline your children now, you may not resent it today, but you will resent it later. And you may not regret it now, but you will regret it later. Your children may not resent you now, but they'll resent it later because you didn't discipline them when they were young. And discipline may take different shapes and forms. And I think I got every shape or form of discipline there was. There was the whooping, the timeouts, the grounding, the things taken away, like the phone, video games, computer, things of those nature. And one time, a couple of times, I even had to write sentences. I remember one time, I was probably 12 or 13, we had company over and I was trying to be funny. For, and for some reason, I called my dad a dog. My dad didn't think that was funny, but I did. He told me right there, you go to your room and I want you to write 500 sentences, you will never call me a dog again. And I did. I went straight to my room, I wrote that 500 times, and guess what? I never called my dad a dog again. I learned my lesson we have to understand that discipline is necessary when rules are broken when rules are broken discipline is necessary this is why God has to discipline us why because we have been disobedient to him we have crossed a boundary and God does not let us get away with our disobedience he does not let us get away with our disrespect for him And as parents, we should not let our children get away with their actions, with their disobedience either. And parents, this is why it's so important for you to have boundaries for your children. They need to know what's expected of them. They need to know what they can do and not do. They need to know what they can say and not say. And if they cross these boundaries, if they disobey, if they show disrespect, you need to implement discipline immediately and not just turn the other way and ignore it. Children need to know there are consequences for their actions. And they need to be held responsible for what they have done. And as parents, we need to be willing to confront and correct negative attitudes and behavior. And we can't let children willfully disobey us or our spouse. And we need to discipline our children consistently and immediately and fairly. Can you imagine if God did not discipline us? Can you imagine if God turned the other way and ignored our sin? If God did that, we would never conform to his holiness. We would never become like Jesus. And just as God disciplines us for our benefit, we need to discipline our children for their benefit. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, Teach or train a youth about the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That word train means create a desire. It's just not setting rules. It involves mentoring and guiding. And the way he should go, it means according to the way he is bent. No two children are the same. Some children can be corrected a lot easier than others. One child may have a soft heart and can be corrected with a reprimand. Others are strong-willed and are going to require stronger discipline. Each kid is different. For me, spankings worked. Spankings did miracles on me. I wanted it to be done and get it over with. For my brother, it was grounding. It was taking things away. It was things of that nature. But my parents learned how to discipline me and my bro- brother based on how we responded to that discipline. Then, it's, then the scripture says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. That simply means as a child matures, as the child gets older and reaches of a level of maturity, that child will never forget your training, will never forget your teaching, and will return to them. You see, training and disciplining a child is a real commitment of time. But I want you to remember this. Your child will receive training somewhere. Your child's going to learn right from wrong somewhere. If they don't learn it from home, guess where they're going to learn it? They're going to learn it in the world. They'll learn it from a friend. They'll learn it from school. They'll learn it from social media. And do you realize that the truth for Generation Z, which is children born from 1995 to 2012, you know where they get their truth? You know where they get right from wrong? They get it from their phone. That is their truth. It's not God's word anymore. It's from their phone, and I'll have more to say about that next week. They get it from the internet. They get it from music or movies or video games. That is their reality. That's why we as parents need to teach our children right from wrong in the home, because if we don't do it, the world will. And do we really want the world teaching our children what is right and what is wrong? And if you don't want the world doing that, you better take the time and make the time to do it. And the only way you can ensure that the promises of God can come true to pass in the lives of your children is provide the proper training, to provide the proper discipline, and committing your time to training them in the way they should go. The second way that we can provide physically is through time. Not only do we provide physically for our family through discipline, we provide it through time. Ephesians 2, or Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says this. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. It says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know what God's desire is? is for you to spend time with your spouse. God's desire is for you to spend time with your children. You say, I don't have time. Then make time. And make the most of your time, as he said in verse 16. Pursue shared interests together as a family. Do activities you enjoy together as a family. Because I believe a family that does things together is a family that's going to stay together. I remember in June 2020, it was right after COVID was going strong. Joni invited me to do something I'd never done before. We'd never done together. She invited me to go fishing. I'm not a big fisherman, but she invited me to go fishing. She put a note on, my bathroom, on the side of my bathroom sink that said, go and fish and want to come. I didn't mind it until I saw the time. It said 6 a.m., I thought, what in the world? The fish aren't even up at 6 a.m. But you know what? I, I got up and I went and we had fun together. Even though we didn't catch anything. Even though it was hot and even though it was miserable. I had fun going. Why? Because I was spending time with my wife. I remember this past fall, she again invited me to go to Evan's Orchard and pick apples. Never done that before. I'm not much of an apple picker or apple eater, but I went. We had fun. We had a great time. You know what? You make time for what's important to you. And if your family is really important to you, you will take time out of your schedule and make time for your family. And don't let your job, don't let your responsibilities, don't let your finances, your schedule keep you from having fun and spending time together. Besides Jesus, the number one thing that should be more important to you than anything is your family. And the best part of spending time together is creating memories. This brings a couple and a family together when you spend time together and you create memories. I've known families who haven't taken family vacations in years. They say, I don't have time. And I promise you, you'll have no regrets about the the vacations or trips that you take together as a family. I think of all the trips and vacations we've taken as a family together. And I don't regret a single one of them. I have great memories of those trips. But here's the thing. You can't create memories if you don't take time to create memories. And remember, you could never get that time back. Once that moment is passed, it is gone. And the special times you have as a family is what you and your children will remember as the years go by. I remember from my childhood, my my trips to Iowa every summer to see my dad's parents. I remember spending Thanksgiving and Christmases at home and with all my cousins at my grandparents in Mississippi. And after my mom passed this last November and when I was going through all the mom and Dad's stuff and seeing all the pictures that they had accumulated through the years, it brought back A lot of memories. And I love Google Photos because it gives you a notification every day of pictures you have on your phone that maybe happened a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. And I love getting those those reminders and looking back at those pictures and remembering those memories that were created. Of all the things that happen in life, what will be remembered the most is the times that are spent together. Don't let these times slip away. Make the most of them. And spending time together is just not about trips. It's not just about vacations. It's about spending time together in your own home. And the best conversations we have as a family is when we share a meal together at the dinner table or we play a game together. And I want to encourage you to take time each night where you spend time together as a family and just talk to each other. And I promise you, that will make a difference in your home. That will make a difference in your marriage. And here's a myth. Many parents think their children don't want to talk to them. They'd rather do other things. You know, there was a study done several years ago, and they asked teenagers, they asked them, what do you want more than anything else? Surprisingly, it was discovered the one thing that 68% of teenagers wanted more than anything else was for their parents to have a conversation with them. And I'm not sure if this was a result of parents not wanting to talk to their children or parents just not realizing their children wanted them to talk to them. But regardless, your children want to know that you care about them. Your, Your spouse wants to know that you care about them. And the best way you can show your family you care about them, that you love them, is by spending time with them and having conversations with them. And it's the same in our relationship with God. How do we show God we love Him? By spending time with him, by talking to him. And it's not the quantity of the time that necessarily matters, but it's the quality of the time that matters. It's what you do with the time that you have that makes a difference. And the best resource you can spend on your family is time. Is time. Provide for your family by taking time to build relationships with your children and your spouse. The second point, to build a godly home, must you not only provide physically for your family, you must provide emotionally for your family. Going back to Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, don't stir up anger or exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The best way to exasperate, to stir up, to frustrate your family is to ignore them. And instead of infuriating and annoying your family by ignoring them, show your family you greatly value them. And there are three ways you can show your family you greatly value them. The first is give them attention. Be interested in what they're interested in. I wasn't overly excited about going fishing with Joni at 6 a.m., but I went. Why? Because I wanted to give her attention. I wanted to spend the day with her. Desire to spend time with your spouse and your children by giving them your attention. And if a child says, Mom or Dad, come look at what I did. Or come play with me. Or "Or can we talk? Instead of saying, not now. Instead of saying, I'm busy. Take a few minutes and give your child some attention. Don't blow them off. Because if you keep ignoring them, if you keep brushing them off, they're going to quit asking And then you may wonder, why does my child not want to interact with me anymore? You can't get those moments back when your child asks, can you talk with me? Can you play with me? Can you come and look at what I did? And as I said before, if you don't give them attention that your spouse or your children need, they will find it somewhere else. You also need to give them affection. You need to hug your children and spouse. You need to, to kiss them. You need to tell your spouse your children your parents that you love them and you need to show them your love And again if your child or your spouse doesn't feel loved at home. They're going to look for love elsewhere I'm, so thankful that my parents always told me that they loved me and we've always told our boys that that we loved them and And now they don't like it when we try to kiss them anymore Neither did I when my mom continued to try to kiss me But you know what? My parents always gave me hugs until they passed away. And always hugged them. And you will never know that last time that you give that loved one a hug. So make sure that you give your family the attention and the affection that they need and deserve. And then give them affirmation. We need to give our family affirmation. We're good at letting our kids and our spouse know when they've messed up. But we need to know, let them know when they do something well. We need to let them know that you're proud of them. And you need to show them you're thankful for them on a regular basis by encouraging them and and affirming them. And when you encourage your spouse, when you encourage your child, when you encourage your parents and affirm them, that will go a long way in having a happy home, and a healthy marriage. Hold your spouse. Hold your children. Hear them. Be willing to listen to them and talk to them and encourage them because there will be a day and a time when you will not be able to hug them or hear them anymore. But, as Scripture said, do not provoke them to anger. This type of behavior, provoking our families to anger, is not healthy It includes raising our voice, constantly discouraging them, ignoring their needs, being disrespectful or rude. And if you don't want to exasperate your family, anger them and frustrate them, show them affection, show them affirmation, and give them attention. And if you don't want to create a miserable environment where your family doesn't want to be around you, Respond to your ch- child and your spouse and your parents with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which Paul laid out in Galatians five twenty two, twenty three. 23. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. If you demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in your home, that means that you're giving your family the attention, the affirmation, and the affection that they need. And when you respond to your family in this way, you will provide faithfully for your family emotionally. Psalm 127, 3-5 says this, and I'm closing. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. I asked you this morning, what are you doing with the gift God has given you? God gives us kids not to keep, but to nurture. And the goal of godly parenting is to launch children who desire to fear God and, and honor God into a world that is lost and without hope. And according to Psalm 127, 4 and 5, your children are like arrows in your hand. And if an arrow is warped, It will not fly straight. If an arrow is warped, it has no chance of hitting its target. But if the arrow is straight, if the arrow is shot properly, it has a great chance of hitting its intended target. And like an arrow, as parents, it is our responsibility to make sure that our children are not warped so that when we release them into the world, they will fly straight and they will hit their target, which is Jesus Christ. And the way we can ensure that our children are at warped, and hit their target and live for Jesus and follow Jesus is to prepare them, point them, and propel them. And this can only happen through godly training, through godly teaching, and godly discipline. So if you want to build a godly home, if you want to faithfully provide for your children by disciplining them and for your spouse and children by spending time with them and by giving them attention, affection, And affirmation. You'll never regret disciplining your children. You'll never regret spending time with your family. You'll never regret investing emotionally in your family. But you will regret not disciplining your children. You will regret not spending time with your family. You will regret not investing emotionally in your family. And I want to challenge each one of us this morning to lead our families well by faithfully providing for them physically and emotionally. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word this morning, and I just thank you so much for your truth. And Father, I thank you so much that you are a good, good Father. Father, I thank you that you have provided for us in so many ways. And Father, I thank you for your greatest provision as your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that our desire here this morning as families is that we would be families, Father, that desire to build a godly home by faithfully providing for our families emotionally and physically. Father, may we as parents understand the importance of disciplining our children according to your word because, Father, you discipline us when we sin, when we rebel when we get out of your will. And Father, may we understand the purpose of discipline is, is Lord, to to train our children, to teach them right from wrong, to, to try to conform them into the image of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that as parents that we would make that commitment to discipline our children in a way that honors you and pleases you. Father, I pray we would make that commitment to spend time with our families. Father, help us to understand we have one shot. And Father, you want us to live this life well, and your desire is to make wise use of our time. And some of the wisest time, God, one of the wisest ways we can use our time is by spending it with family. Father, help us to make family our priority besides our relationship with you. Father, help us to give our family the attention and the affection, the affirmation that they need. Father, it's very clear that you showed your love to us through your words and through your actions. And Father, may we be willing to show our love to our families through our words and our actions. And Father, may we understand that our families, that our children, that our spouses are a gift from you. And Father, help us desire to provide faithfully for our families the way you have provided for us. Father, we just thank you for this time of worship this morning. And God, we just ask your hand, Upon this time of commitment, this invitation, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.